And the years of Sarah were Mea Shana Ve Esrim Shana Sheva Shanim. They were one hundred and twenty seven years. Shene Haye Sarah. These are the years of Sarah. Why does it end? That's how it starts. The introduction is, and these are, not these, and the, right, and they are 127 years. Again, means, and these are the years of Sarah. Why does the Pasuk end? Again, the years of the life of Sarah. So that she says, Alava Shalom, Shene Haye Sarah, Kulan Shavin Letoba. Meaning the end of the Pasuk is not counting the amount of years. The end of the Pasuk is counting the quality of years. So the beginning is telling you, and these are the amount of years. 127. Shene Haye Sarah. Which means that you should know that the years were equally good. They were all good. Kulan Shavin Letova. Again, the beginning of the Pasuk is describing the number of years. The end of the Pasuk is describing the quality of the years. So you shouldn't think they were just 127 in number, but they were different. They were all the same. All her years were equally good. Very nice, but it's very hard to understand because her years were not equally good. Sarah Imenu was one of the most, uh, you know, I wanted to say most barren. Does it make sense that word? I'll repeat that one more time. Sarah Imenu was very challenged. Sarah Imenu didn't have a child till she was 90. We know that a person today who doesn't have a child after a year and they, 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 they go crazy. Five years, 10 years, 20 years, she's 90 years old. So that means all those years she had no child. That was, that's very hard. I couldn't say Kulan Shavin Letova. All the years were equally good. But you see from this Rashi that good years are not dependent on circumstance. When the Tzubasuk says they were all good years, that's not describing what Hashem did for Sarah. Simply you would read, oh, Hashem gave her 127 good years. No, no, no. Shavin Letova is not describing what Hashem did for her. It's describing what she did. She had 127 good years. Follow? The beginning is describing how many years God gave her. The end of the Pasuk describes what she did with those years. That means every person has to ask himself that question. Here's what Hashem gave you. And what are you doing with it? 
He gave you this amount. Are you able to say, Kulan Shavin Letova? Kulan Shavin Letova is one of the great challenges of each and every person. That no matter what Hashem gives you in those 127 years, to turn all those years Letova. That's a tremendous challenge that every person is capable of making it happen. And the Pasuk is pointing that out. Sarah Imenu had a difficult life, but she was able to turn the years Letova. And if Sarah Imenu could do that, everybody could do it. In fact, it's hinted, by the way, in the first word of the, of the parasha. Vayihiyu. Look at the word Vayihiyu. Could you see that word Vayihiyu? Look at it forwards and look at it backwards. See it? Exactly the same. If you read it forwards, it's Vayihiyu. Vayihiyu. You read it Vayihiyu going forward. Or by you going backwards. Which is hinting to that life sometimes is going one way, the way you want it to go. And sometimes it goes backwards, the way you don't want it to go. You're trying to get somewhere and you're going the other way. Vayihiyu. A great person like Sarai Menu is able to go forwards and backwards. And Shene Haye Sarah. That all, all will be equally good. It is within our capability to make every situation in our life led tova. We're able to beat any challenge and come out with a good situation in every situation. That is what the Pasuk over here is pointing out. Now, I'm sure you noticed the way the Torah says she lived 127 years is a very odd way of saying it. A hundred years, 20 years, seven years. You don't say that. Usually you say 127 years. Why do you have to say years after each, each group? A hundred years, 20 years. So Rashi Alava Shalom says from the Midrash, Lekach Nikhtab Shana. Bechol klal wuklal, which means every group, it stops with the years. Lomar lecha, to teach you. Shekol ehad nidrash le'atzmo. That each one needs to be studied on its own. I mean, Torah is not here to give us just the number of years. It's coming to give us some information about those years. That's a very important principle, by the way. When you describe somebody's life, the amount of years are not really that important. It's the quality of years that they were able to produce. It's the accomplishments of those years that make someone's life a life. Sometimes we get very upset when people are they pass away early. Person is 30 years old, passes away, big tragedy. Person is 40 years old, big tragedy. 
But somehow we don't feel tragedy when a person passes away at 90 years old. And very often 90-year-olds that pass away is also tragic. Because if you look at their life, they didn't accomplish much. That's the biggest tragedy. The biggest tragedy is to go through life and there's nothing to show for it. But we have the wrong view of life. We measure life with the years. So when someone is young in years, it bothers us. When someone is old in years, we're good. But in reality, you see from here, that's not how the Torah measures life. The measurement of life isn't what Hashem gave you. It's what you did with it. So therefore, a person who sees a tragic 95-year-old life that went with a lot of emptiness, that's not, that's, that would be looked at in the eyes of the Torah as a tragedy. And look at this, a woman passes away, and when the Torah tells us, so how many years did she live? And the question had very little to do with the amount of years. When the Torah says this is the life of Sarah, it's telling you what the meaning of life is. So it says Rashi, what is that? Lomar lecha, to tell you, each one, we're going to learn it separately. So it means like this, Bat me'ah, kebat isrim lehet, which means the hundred years, the hundred years of her life, when she was a hundred, she was like a twenty-year-old, as far as the sin, a twenty-year-old and a hundred-year-old, that's eighty more years of Averot. She, at the age of a hundred, was like a twenty-year-old, in the sense that she was lacking head sins. Ma bat esrim lo ena bat onshin. Meaning, up to 20 years old, a person is not yet held accountable regarding punishment. That's the, 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 eight, the 20 year old age. So, just like a 20 year old is not held accountable because they're 20, but she at the age of 100 was like a 20 year old because she didn't have anything to be accountable for. So, a 20 year old is not accountable because of their age. But Sarah was not accountable because of her. Lack of Averot. So she was a pure person. Listen to this one. So that, that explains the hundred and the twenty. Says Rashi, Ubat Esrim, and when she was twenty, Kevat Sheva, Leyofi. She was like a seven year old in beauty. So again, Me'ashana Ve'esrim Shana. To tell you when she was a hundred, she was like 20, no Averot. And when she was 20, she was like 7, in beauty. Now, I don't know about you, but beauty, Yofi, right, is the 7-year-old is not the beauty. The beauty is 20. So what does that mean? That 20, she was as beautiful as a 7-year-old. 
That's not the way our understanding of beauty is. So I want to tell you this is a very important point. You see, first of all, the Hachamim talk and they say the word beauty. They don't think of beauty like us. You have to know that beauty, the word yofi, you know, one of the attractions of a human being in this world is to follow beauty. Hashem made, it says by Yonah, it says by Yonah, we read it, we read it on uh, the Haftarah of Yom Kippur. I read it to you. Of course, the story of Yonah is about a prophet. There was a prophet by the name of Yonah. Hashem sent him on a mission to wake up the people of Nineveh. It was a Goy city that were being warned by Hashem to make Teshuvah. Hashem sent Yonah to this place and uh, he didn't want to go. So there's a whole story of Yonah. But there is, according to the Zohar, a deeper understanding of this story. And the deeper understanding has to do not with Yonah the prophet, has to do with every person. And Yonah is representing the neshama of the person. It's called Yonah. What is Yonah in Hebrew? A dove. The neshama, the soul is called the dove. Why is it called a dove? Because a dove is, the dove is a loyal bird. So our neshama, right, has loyalty to Hashem. Hashem sends down the Yonah into this world and He sends her on a mission to change the world. This is all the way the Zohar learns Sefer Yonah. Like it's, look how it starts. Vayi devar Adonai el Yonah ben Amitai. According to the Zohar, Amitai is his father's name. But according to the Zohar, now there's a deeper explanation. Yonah is the soul, our neshama. And the neshama is the son of Amitai. Who's Amitai? What's Amitai sound like? Emet. What's the signature of Hashem? Emet. Adonai Elohechem. Emet. Right? So the, 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 the neshama, where is it from? It's a part of Hashem, like we see in Bereshit, right? By Yipah Be'apav, Hashem blew into the nostrils of Adam. He blew his soul, right? What did he blow? Hashem gave Adam a part of himself. So the neshama is, as we say, Helet Eloah Mimal. It's part of Hashem. So Hashem sends the neshama, the son of Hashem, down to this world, he tells her, he tells each of every one of us, Kum lech el ha'ira He tells every person, if as we're coming down to this world, I don't know if we remember this conversation. Oh, you remember this conversation? Every person, every neshama was given marching orders. They said, Kum lech go el Nineveh is a city, but in this explanation, Nineveh is 
a description of this world. Right? Nineve means there's beauty in this world. Nineve, Laoshon Neve, right? He says, go and you have a mission down there. The Pasuk says, Vayakom Yona, what does the Neshama do? He gets up. Libroah Tarsh, he wants to escape. God gave him a mission. He has a mission in this beautiful world take to do. He has ukra aleha. You have a calling. You have things to accomplish. What does he do? What does the neshama do? It tries to escape its mission. How does it escape its mission? Vayered yafo. Oh, what's vayered yafo? Simply, there's a place called yafo. But what does it mean here according to the Zohar? Vayered, he comes down to this world. And he wants to escape his mission that God gave him. So what, where does he go to escape? Vayered Yafo. He looks for Yafo. He looks for something nice. Yafet. He, he gets, he gets pulled by the beauty of this world, by the yafeh of this world, which beauty is he getting pulled after? Vayimtsa onia. He finds an onia. Onia is a ship. That's the literal meaning. But in the Zohar, the ship of the neshama is the body. Vayimtsa onia. The neshama finds a ship, that's the body, goes into the body. And the body, we know the body has other ideas of what's called beautiful. The body only knows physical beauty. And this body, this onia, ba'at tarshish, it's on its way to a place called tarshish. Tarshish in olden times, I don't know exactly where it is today. But it was the place where they had gold. That was the place where they had all the gold and the riches. So where does the physical body, the onia, naturally, where does the physical body flow to? It's flowing to the beauty of this world, which is represented by, by gold and riches and silver. So in order, again, let's review one second, Raymond. The way you learn the story is, Hashem says to the Neshama, listen, I'm sending you down to a beautiful world. And you have a mission over there? Go take care of it. Go accomplish. Go learn. Go become something. Go change the world. Ukra aleha. Kra means you have a calling. If you have that, you have a calling. Everyone's got a calling. He says, I'm sending, he tells the Neshama, I'm sending you into this beautiful world. And go fulfill your calling. What does the neshama do? Right? It says, it finds a boat that is the body. And the body, where is he headed? He doesn't understand the beauty of what Hashem is talking about. The body's beauty is only something physical. So the neshama goes into the boat. 
and now becomes a servant of the body, and they're headed towards all the Yafo. It's headed towards all the beautiful things in this world. It gets attracted by all the physical beauty, whether it's a physical home or it's physical car or physical appearances. Whatever physical beauty you're aware of, this is what the neshama gets excited about, and that's how it escapes its mission that Hashem sent her on. Yonah here, is the, the Sefer Yonah, is describing every single person here. Every single person was sent down into a beautiful world to accomplish, but because we have a Yetzirah, we want to escape our responsibility. We don't want to take on responsibility of growth, of changing ourselves, of changing the world. It's too much. We're lazy. We want to escape that responsibility. What do we do? We find a partner that's going somewhere else and we follow him and we look for beauty, but not the beauty that Hashem does look for. A different kind of beauty. Why do I bring this? It seems almost natural that a human was created to go and look for beauty. It's within us that when we see beautiful things, we want them. We run after them. We work for them. We sacrifice for beauty. It's within our makeup, our DNA as humans, Hashem made it, that we have an attraction to beauty. Whatever is beauty, we were, were attracted to it and we're ready to work for it. That's natural. You didn't have to buy that. You didn't have to acquire it. Hashem gave every person an attraction to Yafo, to something Yafeh, to something beautiful. So when you see something, someone running after beauty, whatever kind of beauty there is, that's something Hashem put in every one of us. The challenge of life is to know what is beautiful? What is beauty? You follow? It says here, you see in this Rashi, how Hachamim saw beauty. When me and you read the Rashi, it says she was as beautiful at 20 as she was at 7. So really what they meant to say is that she was pure and innocent at 20 as she was at seven. A seven-year-old girl, normally, an innocent, beautiful girl, hasn't hurt anybody, hasn't been involved in anything that would be considered uh, inappropriate. She's innocent. She's pure. What they're trying to tell you is that Sarai Menu was pure at the age of 20, as she was when she was seven. That's really what they want to say. But it's interesting, they don't use that word. They don't say she was pure. They don't say she was tahor. They don't say she was innocent. 
The word they use, so interesting. We would never use that word. They use the word, I'll read it again to you. It says, Ubat Asrim, Kebat Sheva, Leyofi. Why they use the word beauty? And we're bothered. Beauty? What are you talking about? A 20-year-old is more beautiful than a 7-year-old. What are you talking about? You know why we're saying, what are you talking about? And they use the word yofi. Because everybody has in their eyes what's called yofi. And that's actually one of the challenges of life. Believe it or not. Michael, it's good to see you. Come any time. It's fine. If when I asked you the question that a 20-year-old is more beautiful than a 7-year-old and you all said, yes, true. The reason why you all said yes is true and I'm with you is because we measure beauty in a physical way. It's unfortunate. And because we measure beauty in a physical way, we end up in the wrong places, doing the wrong things. Now you might think I end up doing the wrong things or going to the wrong places because I have a desire for those things. But really what we're learning here is that what's determining why you ended up spending your life for those things is because, you know where that started? You know what the shortish you know what the source of you following things in this world that in the end of the day makes your life disappointing and means nothing? Because you, in your mindset, see those things as beautiful. In your eyes, beauty is money. Beauty is homes. Beauty is anything physical. When you have that definition of beauty in your mind, so you will spend your whole life trying to connect to that beauty. So therefore, when you see this Rashi, what is he talking about? That's not beauty. But you see that Hachamim, Alehem Shalom, you see they had a whole different understanding of what the word Yofi meant. They didn't they weren't bothered by our question. You know why? Because their beauty was when they saw, for example, when they saw, for example, a young man at the age of 17 and he's sitting by a Gemara and he's working to acquire wisdom. They would see that boy and they would say, wow. That is so beautiful. Another guy would see that, doesn't see anything. But if he would see a 17-year-old with a lot of gel in his hair, very slick. You know, the old days. <laughs> very slick hair. And the guy is dressed to kill. He's in his convertible. Music, blasting. And he drives by. Say, wow, what a beauty. 
No such thing. Really, it, you can't have both, which means the guy who sees beauty in people's character, in people's wisdom, in people's accomplishments, those who see the beauty of the soul, they actually disgusted by the beauty that people show physically. The guy who saw that young man who's so beautiful in everything about his inside, when they see a guy trying to look beautiful with all the external things, they get disgusted from it. They don't see that as beauty. They see it ugly. You ever see someone who was trying to look beautiful and you say it's so ugly? Not necessarily the looks. That's not what you were saying. Ugh, it's ugly. The guy's trying to look. He's trying to show something. It's ugly. To a person who sees internal beauty, external beauty could be ugly. And a person who sees external beauty, internal beauty could be ugly. You could see it. There are people could see a guy who has such a beautiful way about him. He has, and they look at them and say, "Ah, ah, Azikis, He's Azikis. He's a beauty. This guy. This is a beauty. You're the Azikis. That's a beauty, right there." But no, but do you, do you realize what we're saying now? We're saying something very critical in our life actions and reactions. You know, we tend to see what we do or where we end up. But it takes a deeper person to connect what you do and where you end up. Why you ended up that way and why you do what you do. Why you feel what you feel. How come you feel there's such beauty in that act or in that item? Why do you feel that way? Because your mind is wired after the yafeh of your body. That's what you see as beautiful. And what you see as beautiful is going to be your magnet. That's what you're going to follow in your life. You're going to work very hard to get the beauty that you're looking for. That's what you see. If you see something else as beautiful, then that will be what you spend your effort in. So it comes out, my dear friends, that what Hachamim say over here, and it bothers us why they would call that yafet, in reality, is the defining difference of whether a person spends their life acquiring real accomplishments like wisdom, like great character, like building, like changing the world. Those are, that's one section of life. There's some people in life that are just focused on that and they use the physical world as a way to get to that beauty. Like Jack mentioned before, yes, you could build a beautiful shul, but if you're building a beautiful shul because, ah, I love beautiful things, so then your, your, your beautiful shul is no different than a beautiful cup. But if you see the real beauty of the shul on, and what its purpose is, and in order to highlight 
the spiritual beauty of the shul. You put a, you have a beautiful building. That, that's, not, that's not a problem. Physical beauty is good when it comes to enhance spiritual beauty. But for example, let's say for example, you build something, you, you build a shul, right? And the building is gorgeous, but you walk in the tefillah and the whole place is talking, right? That's not a beautiful shul. Not necessarily it's the fault of the builder, but that's not a beautiful shul. A beautiful shul is the beauty in what the shul is supposed to be doing, not the edifice. Now, if you have in the shul people doing the right things, and it's a beautiful building, that's great. They're learning Torah, they're praying, they're doing beautiful things. The external beauty is there only to enhance the real beauty. When the external beauty becomes its own value, in the world of dating, it's like that. In the world of dating, it's like that. Unfortunately, unfortunately, when people go on dates, both men and women, they look for external beauty. And it's a tragedy because very often external beauty is empty of real beauty. So now you marry this beautiful guy or this beautiful woman, but the real beauty that's going to make a difference in your marriage is not there. So you fell for the beauty and you ended up with something very damaged. It's a real problem. Real, the, the physical beauty can't build marriages. That's not lasting. Real marriages and real happiness and real accomplishments in a marriage is built with an inner beauty. Now you might sometimes see a guy go out with a young lady who to you, you'd say, eh, I don't, I'm not like going crazy for the looks. But it could be that guy is going crazy. But not as, because he also sees beauty. But he's looking for something else. It doesn't mean the package on the outside shouldn't attract you. That's not what I mean. Hazal tell us, actually, before you marry a woman, you should see her to make sure there's a physical attraction. I don't mean there isn't a physical attraction. But that's all you need, a physical attraction. You don't need to be going crazy and your mind is lost in her beauty. You don't need that. In fact, very often that is misleading. And you should know, the person who's looking for real beauty will fall in love with that beauty just as that guy is falling in love with the physical beauty. And the guy who looks for physical is looking and saying, I don't get it. I don't get it. What does he see in her? What does he see? There's nothing here. I would never marry that girl. I would never. It could be you're looking for different things. Beauty, what you see as beautiful in a very big way is going to determine where you spend your life effort and what you spend your time doing. And all the results of life will come from the decisions that started in this seed sitting in your brain of how you see what's called yafeh, what's called beautiful. So it's worthwhile for a person to review his understanding of what's called beautiful. 
Don't let yourself fall for the ship that you're in. Your body, if you don't think, your body automatically will take you to the only beauty it understands. The only beauty the body understands is physical. So if you don't put effort in seeing and identifying the more beautiful things in life, your body automatically is going to be channeled. The channel is going to be on is all physical things. And then you'll pay the price because a lot of the important things in life have nothing to do with that physical beauty. So it takes time for a person to reassess, to reanalyze, look at your wife and say, what's really beautiful about a wife? Not necessarily your wife. What's really beautiful about a child? You know, it might, it might seem like a silly thing to do, to do but you, you need to think about what makes people really beautiful. What makes families really beautiful? What makes relationships really beautiful? What makes life really beautiful? And you need to think about that. Because otherwise, it's automatically going to follow the yafo of the physical body. That's something we have to re, uh, rewire, unfortunately, for most of us. Because we just went on the boat and we took it to where it was going. And we just assume, again, we assume... That the only beauty there is, is the physical beauty. And we don't realize it's not like that. And here's a great proof. If you ever want to prove it, come to Rashi, Parashat Hayesarat. When they came to describe beauty, they described the beauty of a seven-year-old. Because they saw something more beautiful than the physical person. Now, one more point, and I'll let you go. One more nekudah. It says, Vadonai Berach Et Abraham Bakol. Ve Abraham Zaken. It says Abraham was old, an old man. Baba Yamim. He was his days. Baba Yamim means he had a lot of days of accomplishment. Great people, they don't measure their life in years. Great people measure their life in days. You know, in this country, people celebrate birthdays. Every year, a birthday is from year to year. One, what, another year passed. But great people, they measure their birthdays in days. After one day, wow, a whole day passed. Right. You know, if you're not, if not such great people, they could only see accomplishment when they look at a year. When they look at a day, they don't see much. There's nothing to stop and celebrate. But great people, every day, every day is another birthday. Wow, oh, a whole day passed. Oh my goodness. What happened today? Look what I learned today. Look what I accomplished today. Every day is a birthday for a great person. That's why it says, Abraham Zaken Ba Bayamim. When he lived his life, his life didn't come in years. Oh, this is year one. Year two, year three. Great people don't live in years. Great people measure in days. They don't say, what did I accomplish this year? So what did I accomplish today? Ba bayamim. Vadonai berach et Abraham. It seems that as a result of that, because he was ba bayamim, because he took every day as a precious opportunity and maximized it, he celebrated a birthday every day 
Berach et Avraham Hashem blessed Avraham Bakol. He blessed him with everything. Simply, right? Very simple. When you live every day, you wake up every morning, and you look to maximize that day, which means you wake up as early as you can, and you spend as much time as you can in that day with real accomplishments, whether it's your tefillah, whether it's your Torah, whether it's your mitzvot, your kibbutz ba'em, whether it's your, your, your hesed, when you spend your day, automatically, Hashem is going to bless you. Very simple formula, as we mentioned a few months ago. Hashem is your biggest advocate. He's your biggest fan. He wants to give you every opportunity in life to make a great life for yourself. But you need to take what He gives you and turn it into something real. Otherwise, what he's giving you is not doing anything for you. So when you're a person who goes to sleep at night and say, what did I accomplish today? What more could I have done today? What more can I do in my life? I need to add more in my life. I could learn more. I could help more people. I could be more involved in certain things. Whatever it is that a person needs to help with. When you make your calculations of your growth, once every year, every Rosh Hashanah, so then that doesn't make you very special. But every day, Baba Yamim, it says, Hazal tell us that every night a person is judged. Every night he goes to sleep, they judge a person. Meaning not like the big judgment of Rosh Hashanah, but every night the person is judged. What Hazal is telling us is that every day, every day has tremendous value. That when a day passes and nothing was accomplished, you should feel really bad. Could you imagine after one full year, you look back in your year and you did nothing? How do you feel? Imagine a whole year passed, you accomplished nothing. So wow, empty-handed. That's how a great person feels after every day. If he looks at his day and says, I, I didn't do much today, that, that's very disappointing. When you live your days like that, Hashem gives you everything you need to be able to accomplish because you're utilizing the gifts that He gave you in order to make something great of your life. Baba Yamim. Have a little notebook every day when you go to sleep. A little notebook before you go to sleep. Write down some of the things that you could do more or some of the things that you could do better. Analyze your life day by day. Live a day by day life, not a year by year life. Now, Bakol comes Rashi and says, what does Bakol mean? Hashem blessed him with everything, which is true. Abraham had everything. He was, he was powerful, he was wealthy, he had everything. But Hazal come and say, Bakol, the gematria of Bakol. Bakol ole be gematria. She count the letters of Bakol. Bet is two, Chaf is 20. Lamed is 30, 52. 52, the same letters as Ben. Ben means the son. Oh, Hashem blessed Abraham with a great son. He blessed him with Yitzhak. Beautiful. Now, if that's really what the Torah wants to say, why does it say Hashem berach et Abraham with a Ben? You know, the gematria of Ben is also Ben. 
Why do you have to write bakol? So that, oh, bakol, if you add the letters, it's really the letters as ben. Just, just write ben. Answer is, answer is, because there's nothing greater in life than a ben who is like Yitzhak. None of your accomplishments, I don't care how much money you made, I don't care how many buildings you own, it doesn't matter how many vacations you went on, it makes no difference how many planes you own, it makes no difference. The greatest beracha in this world is to have a son like Yitzhak Avinu. That's called bakol. That's called you have it all. There is nothing more valuable in your life than raising a great child. You grace, you raise two great children, that's even greater. Three great children, even greater. Bakol means you have gotten everything out of life when you have a child that is a righteous, beautiful person like Yitzhak Avinu. So that's what Hashem gave him. Abraham, Zaken, Baba Yamim. You know what happens? When you live every day, when you go to sleep every night and think about your day, you don't wait till the new year for new year resolutions. You make a daily resolution every day. Badonai, Hashem blesses you with a beautiful child. Bakol. Bakol means you have it all when you have raised a beautiful family. That is the most important accomplishment. Let me show you. I'm going to read for you something. Listen to this pasuk. By Yaakov Avinu it says that Yosef came to him for berachot. First he brought his children to get blessings from Yaakov. Good. You know the story. Listen to the words that you may not have realized. You listening? Pasuk says, Vaivarech et Yosef. And Yaakov blessed Yosef. Vayomer. And he said, Okay, what's the beracha? Ha Elohim. Asher italechu avotai lefanav Abraham beitzhak. He says, The God that my fathers walked before him. Ha Elohim. The one, the God who has led me wherever I was till today. Ha malach ha goeloti mikora. The angel that has redeemed me from anything bad. Okay, no, what the beracha? That, that, that's all talking about the one blessing. Yevarech, he should bless etanearim. He should bless your children. Our rabbis ask, wait, hold on. Pasuk says, Vaibarech et Yosef. Could you imagine? Someone comes for a beracha. Say, Rabbi, give me a beracha. I need a beracha. You know what that means usually, right? Guy says, give me a beracha, give me a beracha. Either he's dying or he's losing his house. Always getting divorced. What one of the three? Those are the three options. Imagine if he comes to a beracha. He says, "Hashem should bless your children. They should be great people. They should grow. They should have the names of Abraham and Yitzhak." So, Rabbi, well, hold on, hold on. That's I'm going to ask you for them later. First, I came to you with a beracha now. Give me a beracha. Hashem should bless your children. They should be great tzaddikim. What's wrong with you? I want a beracha for me. The pasuk says, 
Vayibarech et Yosef. He blessed Yosef. And there's no beracha with Yosef at all. Look in the Pesukim. He never blessed Yosef. It says, he blessed his children. Why? Because bakol. Because when you give someone a beracha for his children, you gave him everything. A beracha of great children is all-inclusive. I am blessing you. Bakol, I'm giving you everything. There is nothing more valuable in your life than the future of your family. And that needs to be the biggest investment and the biggest worry. You're investing in your clothing, in your food, in your... That's very nice. But the most important is their greatness. When you have a son like Yitzhak, you have it all. This is the beracha of the Hashem blessed Abraham Avinu because he made a daily calculation. Ba bayamim. He lived every day. He took a daily resolution. A daily, not a yearly resolution, a daily resolution. Every day. What did I accomplish today? Hashem says for that, you get makol. You get Yitzhak Avinu. This is the reward of people who live out day after day. Just by the way, the Hatam Sofer over here says something interesting. The Hatam Sofer says that if you spell out, if you spell out Bakol, Bakol, Bet, Bet is Bet Yutav. Spell it, count the letters with the name of the letter. We only counted bet as two. But if you counted with the name of the letter, it's called bet in Hebrew, not like English. In English, you say B, C. In English, the letters don't have names. But in Hebrew, it has names. Aleph, bet, right? Alphabet. Alphabet is a hoax. There's no alphabet in English. There's no word alpha or beta in English. The letters don't have a name. They just have a sound. Alphabet comes from Hebrew. Aleph, Bet. So, if you count the full name of each letter, so Bet, what does it come up to? Bet, bet 412. You listening? And then you have, you have, we have uh, um, Ben, uh, no, Bakol, Chaf, Chaf is, is 100. How much is that? 512. And then you have Lamed. Lamed is 30. Lamed is 70. How much total? 586. Good. Okay. 586. Says the Hatam Sofer. Listen to this Hatam Sofer. Listening. Says the Hatam 586. What is that? Is it the same numerical value as? Shofar. Shofar. Hashem blessed Abraham Avinu. Bakol. Bakol is Ben if you do 52. But if you do the whole Bakol, Shofar. Says the Hatam Sofer. That's the Shofar of Matan Torah. Hashem gave us the Torah. Hashem blessed Abraham. Bakol. He gave him the Shofar of Matan. Hashem blessed our nation. The gift of the Torah that we have, that we get to enjoy and live with it, was because of Abraham Avinu Hashem blessed him, Bakol, the Shofar of Matan Torah. 
What does it have to do with Ben? What is the shofar? Why do we have a shofar? By Matan Torah. Oh, when, when were we Zohar? When did Am Yisrael get the merit of the shofar of Matan Torah? When Abraham Avinu was about to slaughter his Ben. When Abraham was about to slaughter his son. Right? He was about to slaughter his son. In the end, Hashem told him, you don't have to. Go take the aisle. He took the aisle and took the shofar. That shofar, that zechut of Matan Torah of the shofar, came from the Akedah. Listen to this. What does the Hatan Sofer mean? It means that in life, Hashem will give you something very precious. Sometimes money. Sometimes a ben, a son. And one day he might ask you to give it back. He may ask you to give your money back. Maybe charity. Maybe to help a cause. Maybe you have to extend yourself a little more to be more involved in things. Hashem one day, the way it works is He gives you precious things and one day He might ask you for it back. When He asks for it back, it's a tragedy for you. You're losing the great thing He gave you. But in reality, He just wants to give you something more and He wants to see if you're willing to give back the small thing He gave you to get something bigger. What was the greatest gift Hashem gave Abraham Avinu? His son, Ben. After he gave him the Ben, all of a sudden, I want him back. Abraham says, you want my most precious item back? How can I give him, how can I do that? The most important thing in my life. Now, for some people, it's a son. For some people, it's money. People would rather give their son than give their money. You want to take my children, take my wife also. Just, just do me a favor. Make you sweat. me alone. Okay. So maybe for, for us, we're not, Hashem's not going to ask us for our children because we don't care about them as much as we care about other things. You understand? Hashem might be asking you for money. Right? Hashem asked Abraham for what's precious to him. He's giving me your son back. Hashem, God, come on. My most precious item. My son. I want him back. He gives him back. What does Hashem do? He gives, him some, he gives him something way more precious. He gives him the shofar. He gives him the Torah. That's how it works in life. Hashem will give you something very precious to you. And one day he's going to ask you to give it back. To give up, to do something. When you are asked to give something back, it's going to be like, are you kidding? How can I give my money back? What does that mean? I'm giving my money back? It's the most precious thing for me. You're foolish. He's asking you for the ben to give you the shofar. He's asking you for the gift that he gave you because he wants to give you something bigger. Don't be fooled when Hashem asks you something back to take and leave it by you because you're missing out something much bigger. That's why Bakol, everything is Ben, but then there's even something after Ben is the Shofar. If you're willing to give up the Ben, you'll get something even greater than that. Have a wonderful day, guys.